going to look at it and, and look at it to a point of view that it's all about you in a sense, yeah? No one's doing it to you. The circumstances aren't doing it to you. And there's a level of acceptance. What's that but fitting yourself around circumstances? Why do you do it? Because it's noble? No, because it works. If you don't fit yourself around circumstances, you're going to go into what's not happening, your interest and attention. And in what's not happening, anything can happen. Yeah? A little thing that you're afraid of now will be a huge thing you're afraid of in there. And then, of course, what happens if you're burdened by the weight of what's not happening? The mind is going to get anxious and more anxious and more anxious, is, want, is going to want to get relief, and it's going to go into the conditioning, and then relief will be, oh, yeah, let's fuck it, let's get loaded, or whatever. You know what I mean? Act out, do something stupid. And so, or people will take pills, really, now, to try to get, to try to get out of what's not happening, which is totally insane. You know? All right. You're worried about next Friday, and it's producing so much anxiety in you, so you take a pill now, like an Oxycontin or something, to get relief from what's not happening. Which produces a problem in what's happening. Yeah? And you may get arrested for your solution in what's happening to what's not happening. How are you going to explain that to the judge? I was really flipping out about 2013, so I took this pill, you know, December 12th of 2010. That's a pretty good reason why. No? You're in jail, right? What the fuck are you talking about? So you're actually reacting to what's not happening. No matter how sincere it may seem to be, it's still what's not happening. Everything is degrees here. Yes? The male... The, you know, the paper boy who missed your porch on Sunday morning and so you, and your paper got wet is just as big or just as small as anything else in what's not happening. It's not the, it's not the size of what's happening, it's how much meaning you give it. Yeah? Someone can flip out about a guy missing your porch with a newspaper just as much as getting terrible news about a family member. The mind doesn't match the circumstances with the amount of amplification it gets into. Because basically, you're flipping out about nothing, really. I think that should be it, you know? Just, we should just have giant pauses here, in like maybe a week or two. Go home and, what the hell, see if you're doing See if not you're doing it. See what you call you if it's doing that. Are you reacting right now to something that's not happening? Yeah. Take one day, and it's a pretty good sample of a year, and of a, um, two years, and of a life. Yeah. There's just different degrees. Basically, your modus operandi today is the modus operandi you'll probably be going from tomorrow. Yeah. So the same principle that works now will work then and there. First of all, because there is no then and there. There is only now. Yes? So what I found, after being in recovery, first they introduced me to the problem as the root of it, as that it was obsession with self. Now, I sincerely looked at it that way for about eight or nine years. Yes? And then something started to occur, and I started to get different information about the root of the problem. And it dawned on me that it was an obsession with self. In, at least in my little case, it was identification as self. 
as soon as I entertained the problem as identification of self, I started to have radical relief from that point on. And by that radical relief, I have known that I'm onto something. In other words, the, prob the solution will, first of all, verify the problem. When you truly have a sense of, of being out of self, you realize what you call being in self is the problem because you won't be feeling like you do when you're seemingly in self. You'll feel different, and that difference is peace. That's ease and comfort. That's lightness, yes? That's immediacy. That's spontaneity. That's intuitively. Yeah. That's open. Yeah. That's finding out, not knowing. Finding out. Yeah. And by its effects, you know the tree. So you, I, I finally saw, in my view, what the problem was by the solution. Yeah? I had a shift or some grace that I could look at life not from the confirmation or the uh, construction of self and I saw the construction of self. Yeah? Instead of looking at life from self, I saw self looking at life. Yeah, it was freaking trippy. And then I saw, because of that, I, I, there was a realization, I'm not that, obviously. I mean, once you see it as from you, yeah, not as you, it, the next thing that hits you is I'm not that. And if it hits you sufficiently, your chips get moved on the card game and get the emphasis of your attention and interest go over to what you're not, which is the living quality of being here. Yeah? That's what you are. It moves away from what you're not and here. And then from here, you see there. You don't see there from there. It'll show you little bits and pieces. It's like you're looking down and you're seeing the hem of the skirt, but you're not seeing what's inhabiting the skirt. So you'll get a point where you'll be going, oh yeah, that's self, that's self, that's self, that's self. But you don't see that what's pointing out self is self. Yeah? Because the problem isn't being obsessed with it. That's just what your mind does to reinforce the real problem. And I don't even say, I'm saying it's a problem just the way we're holding it. Yeah? And that problem is you're identified as a self. And if you are identified as a self, and how I, what I mean by self is a feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body identification, yes? It's not a thought. There's a thought, but it's wrapped with a feeling. So there's a sense of being someone. So your physical feelings, yeah, that you're conscious of, the feelings of being in the body, life moving through the body, is taking to be how I feel. Yeah? So I'm taking... The, the sensations of the body as verification that this is what I am. I feel like me. But what you're feeling are physical and emotive sensations from the brain and the body. But the mind has said, that's me. That, that's my information of who I am, is how I'm feeling. And I have the sense I'm Paul. Yeah? And I feel like I've been here before, and I really have a past, and it was real because I was there. And I'm gonna, obviously going to have a future because I was here now, so I'll be projected there. Yeah. So that identification as self, what does it do? As soon as you identify with a product of the mental process, you're pretty much engaged in the mental process. In other words, you, you leave the sense of conscious contact and intuitiveness and spontaneity and immediacy, and you go into an interpretive realm where your life is told to you, as you, by you, about you, in past, now, and future.
and it's not that satisfying. Or if it was, you wouldn't be seeking. If you were totally okay, there would be no seeking going on. Seeking begets ill ease in a way. Yeah? The apparatus must feel like something's wrong to try to right it. Just like if the room is, if the temperature feels just totally fine with you, you'll never notice it. It's only if it's too cold or too warm do you pick up. Yes, you recognize what's not right for you. So in a sense, you never recognize when everything's okay. You recognize what, what's making it not okay. Yeah. So in that okayness is satisfaction. In satisfaction, there's rest. The mind's agitation chills out. Yeah. Because the agitation is provoked by something lacking, and then the op- this thing's believing it's the boss, yes? It's in control. Its job is to get what you need as a you. It goes out and seeks. And after a while, the seeking overrides any finding. I've seen people who were seeking a solution. They found it, and the next three months later, they're seeking another solution. Literally. They find a solution. They think it's great. They tell everyone how great it is. They get tons of CDs, and then they're on to the next solution. Because the seeking has overridden the first command. Hey, something's irritable, wrestles discontent. I want to get a solution to that. Now it's just seeking for seeking's sake, yeah? It's just going off. <laughs> I mean, it's gotten so much momentum, you can't bring it back into the bond, yeah? It's seeking constantly. So let's say you have a girlfriend. It becomes as if you don't, and you're looking for another girlfriend. Even though you have seen your girlfriend. Oh, I have one, so let's keep looking. I'm looking for another one. Like this. Yeah. It's always like, keep moving, keep getting, keep moving, keep getting. So if it is identification, if that is the root of the problem, then you won't know it. You won't know it unless you hear it from some outside source or grace cracks your egg. You won't know it because you'll be identified. The you that you feel is you is selfing. So the only way you can know something is as a self. Yeah? As soon as self knows something, it becomes self-knowledge. And in recovery, it would be called self-knowledge avails you nothing. In other words, that knowledge that's claimed by self, and that is you having it when you're identified as self, right? When you have acquired knowledge, when you, the way you feel is you, when this you acquires knowledge, that turns into self-knowledge, and it will avail you nothing because it won't lead you from, to freedom from that self because you're identified with it. Yeah. That was the trippy one because the, the system itself sucks, as you know, self-centeredness. Yeah? No one really recognizes how special you want them to recognize you as. <laughs> I mean, you may go off for a little while, but then you're like, fuck, you need more. You need someone else, a new person to recognize how special you are. It's like, you're like a drug addict. You've got to keep shooting up, you know, specialness and I'm really cool, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's just, it's like a job, yeah? You know what I mean? <laughs> so the self, you know, obviously the self-centered system is a failed system. Everyone in this room, I can't vouch for everyone, but the people from recovery I can vouch for, they have to experience that any life run on self, which is self-will, which is the system of self-centeredness, has been unsuccessful. Now, 
because we're in the system of self-centeredness, we inevitably blame us for the unsuccess. <laughs> That's the real motherfucker, really. <laughs> the system of self, you're identified as it, as it's crumbling all around you, it's still perfectly working because you're blaming it inevitably on you. <laughs> if only I was different. If I only would have gone on that retreat. If I would have only stayed with that teacher, then it's all selfing. <laughs> it's like that time when the guy's giving a talk on non on per non personal doership, non doership. Four pages in this transcription. Beautiful, really exquisite. I don't I don't remember the teacher. Beautiful uh, depiction of non doership, not being the personal doer. Four or five pages, and then. It stopped, and then the next one was a, someone at the meeting, a student, whatever you want to call it, and they tell, all right, I know what you said, I understand what you say, now what do I do? <laughs> as soon as the message of non-doing entered the system of self-centeredness, it could only be interpreted as, I must have to do something. Yes? Just like any time the recognition of any verb here, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and thinking, it cannot just be seen as a verb. The mind always has to put a noun in it. Yeah? There's always got to be someone who's seeing, someone who's hearing, someone who's thinking, someone who's feeling. And if it's a little too big for you or someone else, you'll make it God. God is doing. God's doing this. Yes? There will always be someone or something that has to be the doer. You think that's just ordinarily coming out of you? It's the system. Self-centeredness recognizes every verb as something that comes from a noun. It can't see it as just verb. So being is a divine being. Merely has to become something. But no, there's just being. There's just verbing. But the mind can't handle that, so it makes a noun out of it. So when thinking is seen, I'm thinking. And yet, if you're thinking, stop. Well, I can't. Well, can you imagine if that was your problem with running? So if you were running and someone said, stop, like the cops, and you keep running, and they go, stop or I'll shoot. And then your story when you're in front of the judge, I couldn't stop running. What do you mean? You start to run. No, I can't. I have no, I'm powerless over running. <laughs> Who the hell's going to buy that freaking story? But the same thing with thinking. You think you're the thinker. You're taking credit and blame for all the thoughts moving through the head that you see and hear. You're taking blame for it. You feel guilty about them. You feel shame for some of them. Obviously, that's a sense of being the owner of it, isn't it? Do you get embarrassed by another dog when they, you know, fucking do something? It's your dog, you know? It's just, you know, sorry. Especially if it's like an ugly dog, you know, and no one likes it. Then you get hurt. You, know? you feel like no one likes you. It's crazy. There's this total identification with the dog or the car or anything, whatever it may be. Yeah, you're totally identified. You look at a you look at a group of kids. When your attention's on the kid, that's yours. It's just the way it goes. Yeah. So if you believe you're the thinker of these thoughts, or they're about you, you don't know what kind of realm you've just moved into. Every one of those thoughts is going to be so freaking heavy. If you pay, if you have to pay for, let's say, a therapist to, to move them, they're gonna. It's like it's like shipping on boats. Yeah, when you ship on a boat, it's by volume. You're gonna be shipping like on a plane by weight. 
you're going to be paying $150 every week for an hour of a therapist to tell them all your heavy thoughts about what's not happening. All right, this is free. This is really heavy, don't I? I've got to charge you extra for this one, all right? Oh, this, oh, this is from when? 1958. Oh, that's super heavy. All right, let's go back. It's $300 an hour. It's freaking incredible. What's the true solution to what's not happening? It's not happening. End of therapy session. Yeah, now go help somebody. What? I'm here to get help. I know, help somebody else. You get a lot more help than giving me $300. What do you mean it's not happening? It's not happening. Can you see it? Can you touch it? Can you taste it? Can you feel it? No, you can think it. And you're not even a thinker of it. So if you were to extract my out of your life for one day, just one day, let's say you wake up late, 11 o'clock a.m., so you only have like 12 hours, just extract, I bet you there'll be a sense of about 800 miles during the day. More than that, thousands of miles. Every thought you're holding as being about you or you're the thinker of them, and I'm telling you, you are. That's how the system works. The system of self-centeredness claims everything. Yeah? Body, my body. Time, my time. Problem, my problem. Future, my future. Girlfriend, my girlfriend. Illness, my illness. Yes? Do, 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 do. It's claiming it. As soon as something is taken and made into yours, it gets heavier. Haven't you noticed? It gets heavier. Alright? A thousand things go by and a thousand times there's the claiming of it. Everyone you claim gets heavier, and that's what you're traveling with every day. That's why I say there's two options here, traveling heavy or traveling light. And the whole thing that changes everything is the MY. MY, traveling heavier. I don't care what you have or what you do. If it's you doing it and you having it, you'll travel heavier with that. Things that are meant to set you free will be ways to be bonded. You'll be identified as a meditator, or you'll be identified as a yoga teacher. Something that will still bind you in the identification as a self. Yes? Take the my out. Freedom. It's incredible. Same thoughts, but lighter. Every one of them. No matter how real, when they're put together, and they're drenched in feeling, and they're spun like cotton candy, and something real and solid is made by it, all the selfing like this, the sense it seems like it's so real, that's still not real in a sense. It's the mind that's spinning it. It's the mind that's giving it weight. Yes? It's the mind spinning it, selfing, selfing, selfing. You ever see a helicopter when it's going, the, the, the blades? Yeah? When they're going really fast, it looks like it's just one thing. It doesn't look like it's moving anymore, doesn't it? It's so fast, it makes it look like it's a solid thing when it's like all these blades, but it looks like just one big thing. That's what selfing's like. The mind is whipping this idea of you, and then it's like an optical illusion, and you see life as if you're a solid, separate, long-lasting, independent entity. And once this is given this meaning, then this meaning infers all the other meaning to everything else. Yeah. As within, so without. As above, so below. All these ways of saying it, but that's what happens. Projection is first, then perception is next. So daily, 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 
It's like adding another link of the chain that's binding you. Yes? Another link, adding a little more weight, and a little more weight, and a little more weight. And you can get a lot of agreement with a lot of other people who are suffering that that's as real as real can be. And it may give you some sense of mental satisfaction, but it's heaving your life out. That's what it's doing. It's causing you to miss the opportunity. It's not causing you. There's a missing of the opportunity of what's happening now because of the weight of what you think is going to happen. Now, how can that thing that's not happening have weight? It has to have a supposed weight given to it, doesn't it? Because it's not so. Hmm? For something that is not here, how can it be so heavy? Can you bring me any weight back from what's not happening? Go to what's not happening and bring me the lightest thing back. Or go to what's not happening and bring me the heaviest thing back. You can't bring it here. Yes? So how, what gives it the heaviness that it's going to have for you? And if you cannot impose it on everyone else. It can only be for you. It's what you call a subjective heaviness, yes? Because... No one else in the room is feeling that heaviness. You're the only one in the room that may be feeling it. Yeah? You don't see it? What the mind does? I like this. If you see what it does, I'm telling you, it's like a snap of a rubber band. Something snaps, yeah? You can have a clarity when you see what's happening. When you see it happening, there's something that can occur. There's an alertness that arises because you've only been seeing from it most of your life. You actually believe everything started here. There is an infinite space and a figurative behind this. (laughs) And when you entertain you're not this, you open up to be an expression of all of that. If you're identified as this, the expression of all that will have to be pushed through this apparatus and this apparatus will turn it into the meaning it wants to give and then you'll see it. But you'll see it as the interpretation from this. And seeing, instead of seeing it as the expression of that, yeah, they're to- totally, totally, totally two different ways of traveling. One begets lightness, the other begets heaviness. And there's no relief from heaviness with a product of heaviness. Yes? If you get, a, a, if you have a problem on what's not happening, and you seek a solution for what's not happening, they're both fucking heavy. Because what happens when something does happen and that solution of what's not happening doesn't come to pass, now you're heavy down. Yes? Now there's a disappointment that comes over you. That life didn't, ex- didn't guarantee anything, but the mind set it up. Yes? The mind set it up. There's a solution there. It can be subtle. It can be like ephemeral. It can be like a little bit of a hope. 
but it's the mind coagulates around it, and when it doesn't come to pass, or something different comes to pass, there's a crestfallenness. There's an incredible deflation. Yeah? A heaviness, an implosion. Yeah. But if you can see you're not that, it puts you into a state of I don't know, and then the only way you know is by finding out. So no matter how far, uh, how insistent the mind wants to run ahead and try to know, you realize, yes, you realize you don't take its cue. You wait till you find out. And then you'll see what the response is when the response is called for. Yeah? In other words, when the bell rings, then you show up. Yeah? But to have that state of, I don't know, I don't see it as a possibility in self-centeredness, because the whole basis of security and self-centeredness is to know. Yeah? Even if it's, you, even it's a belief that it's going to be miserable, you'd rather have that belief than to find out, usually. And there's a certain sense of, of satisfaction in the I know, but it's a deadening sense, yes? When you know life, and you constantly think you know life, there's really not a life worth living after a while. So then you start wanting to get loaded, or get high, or jump off of bungee bridges, or whatever, because you feel like you need electroshock to wake up. You sort of numb it out. Because every day you know what's going to happen, so to speak. You know, oh, fuck, another day work, I know what's going to go on, same shit as every day, same relationship, same shit. So you get the sense of security, oh I know it's going to suck, you know? I know nothing's ever going to really be great for me, I'll never be loved again, or whatever it is, some insane thing, yeah, and the mind loves it, it's like, ah, it can now rest in the misery of knowing, but when it knows something, when it gets to the point of finding out, it blinds you to seeing. Because now you think you know, yeah? So you don't see, you don't find out. There's not a way of finding out and knowing, unless you wear the knowing loosely. There's either one or the other, yeah? Knowing precludes finding out. The last thing it wants to do is find out. It just wants to know, yeah? It's like a mental knowing. The other thing is a full body finding out. You just show up. Every sense, every sense shows up. Hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, touching. Not just thought. You know? And then you feel the joy of being alive for once. And I'll tell you, to me it translates to a satisfaction. And then all the fires in me that I was trying to put out with all these practices just went on on their own because they all were started from a dissatisfaction. And I felt, now I know that dissatisfaction came from my being identified as what I wasn't. That was the source of it all. Because when that shifted, it went out. Yeah. And then instead of having irritable restlessness and discontent as my starting point, now I have a certain ease and comfort as my starting point. The body and mind gets into irritable restlessness and discontent, but it's not a state for it anymore. The state is okayness, and it likes to act out in thinking it's going to be unokay. Instead of being in okayness with the hopes that it will be okay someday, not now, but someday, someday later, can't happen now, no, 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 
done enough to have it happen now. But later, yeah. It's a way of traveling. That's all we're offering here. You put on the virtue or the nobility or the spiritual path to it. To me, it's a pragmatic little invitation. The system you're relying on is funky. It sucks. It's not bringing you any joy. Where's all the wonder and awe you used to have when you were a kid? That's gone out the window. Yeah? Where's the immediacy? Where's the spontaneity? Can you actually even translate a feeling into an immediate action without, f- without filling the pause with tons of thoughts about it? Can there just be a feeling and then going for something? Or there has to be thousands of thoughts to sort of like be like the horseman on that feeling. And, oh, isn't that like, it's like you can't ever take a shit here. It's like fucking... walk in a room and all you do is think about you <laughs> or you as seen by others that's what's called self-consciousness if you run into in recovery that's the definition of being self-conscious you're thinking about how, the, how other people are viewing you as an object because that's how your system takes you the thought system of self-centeredness takes you as an object as a body So when it thinks about you and when it thinks about others are thinking about you, it's about you as a body. You're not thinking, how is he thinking of me as a spirit? (laughs) Is my spirit zipper up? Oh, I don't know. Am I right? Do I look pretty good? Spirit? Shiny? Extra shiny today? I went to the shiny spa today. Do I look good? My eyes clear? Staring? Power? No. You say you see me as a body, yeah? Yes? Yeah. We're seeing from the system of self-centeredness. It's like a pair of glasses, like Chuck C. said. It's a pair of glasses. You're having them on all day. Yes? They're so good, in a way, you don't, you don't even see them as glasses. You think this is you looking. <laughs> when you take them off just once, what happens? What's revealed in that one time they're taken off? What's revealed? That they can be taken off. <coughs> if you can sense the time, when, the, when the absence of the glasses are there, that's a principle. In other words, they can be absent. Yes? Why would you want to define it for just one moment or find how it's... Figure it out by what did I do to produce this? You didn't. It's just the way it is. The principle has been revealed. If the glasses can be taken off once, they can be taken off many, 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 many times. Yes? So where we are looking, we are looking in all the ways we look, not just visually, through a system called self-centeredness. Yes? Just like... Animals have a larger spectrum of color and light than we do. As humans, we have a different, certain spectrum of color and light. Self-centeredness is just like that. It has a very small spectrum of possibilities. I will be saved. If I get enough and have enough, I'll be okay. Whatever it may be, yeah? But there's a few. We've all followed them, many of us, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sense of okayness has to be something that's produced, not a natural state, yeah? That you're the doer of all actions. You're the omitter and the committer. You're the big mover and shaker. Everything is seen as how it pertains to you as this. 
If you take yourself like this, you'll see others as that. You will project your identification as a body, as someone else being a body. This is what the system does. Very, very small. Very, very... It produces an irritability, restlessness, and discontent, yes? Because there's, a, there's something sorely lacking, yet it can't find it. Yeah? Because it can't find it because it's what's sorely lacking. Yeah? It's looking to give something to its presence when only the solution is, is its absence. Yeah? If you are not that, it's the absence of self which is the solution to it. There's no solution to self as a self. The solution to self is the absence of it. And you'll know it by its absence. And once you get a sense of its absence, you realize it never had a presence. It only has a mental presence. Yes? It's a projection. It's an appearance in a mental realm that our attention and interest have gotten wed to. We're identified as that, which takes our ability, our vision, our 360-degree vision, and stuffs it into a very small tunnel vision with bifocals, you know? Duality. We see everything is split. Yes, no. Love, hate. Connected, disconnected. Yeah? All we're saying is, if I'm not that, if you took off the glasses, yeah? If you just, and it's not even taking off, that's way too much anyway. Just recognize, the glasses have their perch on you because there's a you to perch on. Yes? So the glasses rest on your bridge of your nose. They rest on the identification as a body. If you entertain you're not that, there are no glasses. They go together. Your identification as a body, which affords you being the one who has a pair of glasses. When there is no body, there are no glasses. That's seen. And you've had so many samples of it this life already. But what is taking to be you will not recognize it, as you well know. You'll have a miracle at 9 in the morning, you'll forget by 11. But you have a resentment that you think happened 30 years ago, and you're chewing on it like a bone. Salivating over old tastes that were never there to begin with. So they say, like he said, Chuck C., this guy, Chuck Chamberlain, wrote a book in recovery a long time ago called A New Pair of Glasses. So what we do here, and a lot of people do in this life, is there's the form of glasses that are creating the distortion, not creating, but making a distortion. And what we do is we go to the optometrist and we shop for new ways of looking, yeah? So that'll say Buddhism or Judaism or this and that, or maybe way old ways of looking, like Catholicism and stuff. So we try to put on these glasses to correct the glasses of self-centeredness, to try to sort of correct some of the distortions so at least we can have a meager sense of okayness in a month long. You know I mean? Maybe I'll have a month-long relationship. <laughs> Maybe I'll go to the picnic and not flip out and throw a shoe at anyone. No, I had a great day today. I didn't get arrested. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was my idea of success when I was young, not to be arrested. <laughs> when I got home, whoo, man, I'm doing really good today. I didn't get popped. Oh, that's level of success. Yeah. This is what was formulated by the pair of glasses I was wearing, yes? Yes, yes, yes. So, a form of looking takes place, and it rides the back of seeing, but it covers up the seeing, and so you believe it's you looking, yeah? 
And so now you're looking for a new pair of glasses. So you're trying to find new ways of looking. But every way of looking, in a sense, is a form of blindness here. Because they're, they're blinding you to the fact of the natural seeing. Yeah? That fuels every way of looking. Every way of looking is piggybacking on seeing. So when you take off the glasses, you'll get a free sample of seeing, and after a while you realize there's no need for glasses. Yeah? You're seeing quite well. And as soon as you start believing there's a you, you put on the pair of glasses again. Yeah? Because as soon as the seeing becomes looking, that seems that sort of indicates you may be taking yourself to be a body again, yes? Because then it has a perch to fit, and you now the seeing has been adopted to a way of looking called self-centeredness once again. And then time becomes really important. What's not happening has tons of weight, past and future, tons of weight, tons of weight. Yeah. So the amount of weight you worry about before the event that you're worrying about probably bring more weight than the event ever does. The worrying about going to court was much heavier than any court date I ever went to. Really? It was sitting at my house or for months thinking about that court date and I don't want to go to that court date. They're going to throw me in jail and I go there. I, I, I spent so much time and attention worrying about an event and when I finally showed up at the event it was nothing compared to how much I had thought about it. Yeah? And if you're not here, then you are in there. And if you're in there, in there there's a conceptual here, but it's not here. Yeah? And it was the conceptual here that I wanted to get out of every time I shot dope. It was my mind's presentation of here that was unbearable. Right underneath it, the, the real here was my solution. All those years, I was right at the point of my solution but I couldn't see it because the here that my mind presented was a conceptual here and I, it was unbearable to me. I would do anything to, today not to, to, I'd do anything, I'd pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. Any consequence not to feel uncomfortable now because the now that was presented to me was from there. It was a mental product from self-centeredness. And after I came through the, all these machinations and ended up in recovery, what I found was the solution was right where I've always been. Just a recognition of conscious contact. Yes? Not me seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, but seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Just taking one little aspect out, my, one little noun added to every verb, and just checking out the verb. So now life is happening, not to me. Yes? Life is happening is a verb that to me is a noun. Take out the noun, life is happening. You cannot believe the difference of a day if you see life is happening than if you see life is happening to you. If you could weigh it, the weight is unbelievable. Difference, yeah? Life is happening, you can travel through anything. Life is happening to you, you're paralyzed, aren't you? You're paralyzed even before the point that you're afraid of. You're already paralyzed in fear before. It's funny, this whole idea of knowing. I remember I did these retreats when I was young. 
and they, were, they wanted you to get really honest about sex. And I had a Catholic upbringing with an Irish grandmother. <laughs> I was screwed royally. And so, I, and they were saying, you know, they were saying, you should just ask your mother how she liked having sex with your father. I said, what? My mother would never fucking answer that question. I mean, never. Unbelievable. And then one day I asked her, oh yeah, I'll tell you. She was totally open to it. It wasn't my mother that didn't want to. It was my idea of my mother. Jesus Christ. I had never touched my mother for years. All I had was concepts of her. There was no mother to be found there. There was my mother to be found there. My mother. Mother was totally different than my mother. She shocked the hell out of me. Oh yeah, I didn't like having sex with your father. What? Okay, Ma, don't tell us enough. Oh, let me tell you about it. No, no, please. That's more than information. Yeah, let's sit down. I want to tell you everything. No, 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 no. That's way too much, Ma. Go back to being my mother. Let me disassociate and have... Oh, but I know my mother. I know my mother. I don't want to find out, mother. No fucking way. I know my mother. You think it's difficult there? What about freaking you? Jesus Christ. That's why it's difficult to receive unconditional love if you believe something about you. Usually you don't feel like you deserve it. So the most natural state of being loved becomes very uncomfortable to you or to me. Yeah? Because this isn't me, this is my... <laughs> you imagine what... How many concepts you plastered over your mother? You are in a cocoon of concepts. <laughs> you have a thousandfold more ideas than you, about you than your mother, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you, it's lucky you can even have a breath here. <laughs> so they say you've got to let go of all your old ideas. Good luck. <laughs> if you take them one at a time, you'll be here forever. <laughs> Letting go. You better just find the oldest idea. And the oldest idea is that there's a you. Let go of that. Yes? The biggest meaning this system can give anything is that it's you. It's the biggest meaning. It's the crown of its system to claim something is it. Yeah? And it's laid that crown on you. The oldest, oldest idea is to be a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It begets all the other ideas. While you're busily working on trying to get relief from all those old ideas, it's just spawning new mutations. <laughs> yeah? After you get over the family of origin, you know, dilemma here in therapy, you'll probably have to go to your Martian family of origin. And you'll go around this, the universe with other planets you've lived on, and you'll be therapizing yourself, you know, 800 life. This thing can imagine anything. So there's relief, eh? If you're not that, Jesus, that just, instead of walking up, I'm this, then I know everything else. I'm not that, then it's finding out. And you cannot believe how many times you'll be surprised. And you'll laugh your balls off, because it's hilarious. The ideas, <laughs> that, the ideas that you have been held ransom by are incredible. Like Zen always, Zen Mark would always talk about the mind of Zen, which is, I don't know. What's I don't know 
is the complementary partner we're finding out, yes? In the state of I don't know, what are you open to? Finding out. It's a never-ending, like blossoming. There's never a point where you found out, there's only finding out. Because the state of arrival is I don't know. It's not I know. The state of arrival is I don't know. And in that state of arrival, you find out. Just that. You don't know. <laughs> so the journey and the arrival are the exact same thing. Yeah? 
You let it be as real as it wants to be, and then it shows its true nature, which is unreal. It's unreal. It has wala, it has pack, but it doesn't have an inherent soul independent existence. Nothing here is solid. Nothing has a real meaning. We give it the meaning it has. Yeah. And that meaning that we give it is distributed and directed and focused by the system we're relying on. If it's called self-centeredness, you're going to get the same old, same old way of seeing or way of looking you've always gotten. A little bit here and differences there, but the basic format's the exact same. You'll be waiting for something to save you somehow later. Be it a second, a year, ten years. If you're not that center, then the sway of that system is broken, and then something else can express as you and through you. Yeah? And just like everything is projected and then you perceive it, there'll be a new projection and you'll perceive things differently. Hmm? When you perceive the projection as just that, a projection, you get the sense of the field of energy. Yes? The context starts intimating itself to you. You stop looking in at all the particulars from a particular point and you sense the intimacy of the context. Yes! That's freedom. It's on offer now. Not to you, but as you. If it was offered to you, someone could take the offer away. Someone could put some amendments on the offer. Someone could charge you for the offer. Someone could hide some of it in the offer. But it's offered as you, just as you are right now. And just as you seem you're not, as you seem to be what you're not right now, it's exactly the offer. It's exact invitation. I love this music. It's incredible, isn't it? Jesus, what group has this kind of music with us? Usually they have like sitars and gongs. In the beginning, we got some clarinet player or something, another room, Christian or whatever. I just dig the absurdity of it, though. <laughs> I just dig it so much. It's so freaking hilarious a lot of times. One time we were doing a little talk after a meeting, and we were talking about the my and the this, and then the talking head song about, this is not my house, this is not my wife. <laughs> it was perfect timing. Just when we were bringing the crescendo of a point, it matched the song perfectly. <laughs> Don't you get it? I mean, you want, what more do you want? The talking heads? You got the talking heads. You want David Bowie? Here's David Bowie, too. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just gotta give up the ghost and fucking just arrest in the being the ability to be convinced, I mean, you know. Why is it like tons of little taps? You know, the ability to be convinced, you know. You just, the choreography of that, there could have been billions of conversations going on in billions of different places, in billions of different time zones, in billions of different situations, and yet there was five of us talking about this message 
for about 20 minutes and the, the, the little tape was cooking. And then when we got to the point that this isn't you or your life, this isn't, these aren't your thoughts, and then David Byrne jumps in and says, and it's not your wife, and it's not your house. <laughs> it's just like, everyone, the whole, everything should have stopped. The whole time, everyone should have fallen on their knees. <laughs> but then we pledge allegiance to the Trinity. Yes, constantly. That'd be freaking miracles, just like a speed bump. You just go rolling right over it. Looking for the next miracle. Can you imagine what it took for all that to choreograph in that freaking moment of a dream to have David Byrne singing that one song by the heads with a group in a cafe on Fillmore Street on a Monday night at 10 to 10? And just when some a very a beautiful message was just going to blossom, it was amplified by the song. Come on! You don't see the beauty of that? To me, that's mind-boggling. I don't get it. I want to know. Let's go over that point again. Now, if I was married, and it was 10 years from now, and I had four kids, and I didn't know what college to send them, would I be in the sense of non-self, or would that be self? Give me a fucking break. You know, we talk about hypothetical situations. This is a hypothetical situation. You don't see that? It's totally hypothetical. It's all made up in mind. And yet we're talking about other hypothetical questions. Ask the question this hypothetical question. Is this happening? And if it is, to who? To me. Alright, who's that me? The me is what the system of self-centeredness calls you. A body. Yes, that's what it is. See the system for what it is. See its central point, and it's you as a body, and then you'll realize why you feel like a body. It'll be clear as day. You'll see it's been presented, reinforced, and promoted, and it's like a glove is dropped over on you, and you're firmly entrenched in it without the possibility of believing the hand could come out. You think the hand would come out as a glove. <laughs> I want to get out of this. Oh, I'm out of it now. <laughs> there you have it. Any questions tonight? And thank you for that t-shirt, man. I'm going to wear it. No human aid could help me. <laughs> oh, this world. No human aid. It sounds like crazy, but that's a great place to be. When you realize no human aid is going to help you, what would happen? You'd stop looking for a savior here. Yeah? Maybe you would stop looking and look up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, any, uh, what's happening? <laughs> there was a pause. A pause just hit me. What's happening? All right, we're going to pass the basket. Yes. Can you pass that hat, though? And we're having meetings this whole month, I think, so. Unless, you know, unless something happens. It's so nice to see uh, some of the alumni. It's Jeff up there behind there. He usually gets a really nice nap here. It's good. Sleeps really well. Zen Mark is over there. Sunny. 
the backbone of our cult over there. My bodyguard, my personal bodyguard. You see Sonny with the beard? If you've got any complaints about me, bring it to Sonny. He'll take care of you. And he's also the suggestion window. If you have any suggestions, give it to Sonny. got Jeff and Ryan here. The two Jackson twins. The Action Jackson twins. My Boston nemesis. Oh, another Boston nemesis. I'm a Yankee fan. I hate all things Boston. <laughs> no province down in line. That's good. There was a lot of Yankee hats there. Hmm?